All right, we are June 1st, 2020, and four of the members of Street Matter Law Firm uh, are gonna have a discussion about, in particular, the past week's events, uh, which began with the killing of George Floyd and culminated with nationwide and actually worldwide protests. Uh, and Melanie and Fred actually participated in protests in Seattle. And we just wanna have a conversation because that, that's all we can do right now uh, in COVID time is start having this conversation so that we can start moving the dial, a dial that has not been moved uh, from the beginning of my lifetime forward in many ways and, and beyond me. And I think that everyone here knows and appreciates the history of America that was built in part on the backs of black slaves. And our law firm does not turn a blind eye to issues involving discrimination, racism, systematic police brutality and discrimination. We are a law firm that is dedicated to protecting the underdog. And in this case, we completely acknowledge and support what's going on in the world and we are not trying to hide from it. We do have cases against um, different police departments. I uh, have personally been fined $26,000 for calling a police officer a liar, but we won't talk about that case because I don't wanna get in further trouble. Uh, but we passionately believe in this topic and that the topic needs to be raised because the topic is more than a topic. It is part of the fabric of our society and our life. And as lawyers, it's intolerable to us. As human beings, it's intolerable to us. And it's just not enough to say, we understand, we're sorry, we hope things will get better, we don't know what to do, we don't wanna see it, we're mad at the looters, we're mad at people for infiltrating peaceful protests. We should just support our police because not all of them are bad apples. None of that is helpful dialogue. And so we wanna talk about this maybe in a way that can help provide more, more, that this can provide more. So with that, I, wanted, I do wanna move it over to Fred and Melanie, who participated in the protests um, this past weekend. And I'd like you to just kind of lead our discussion a little bit. And Andrew and I will probably ask questions or have some in, some interruptions, I guess, because we talk a lot, <laughs> Andrew and I. Speak for yourself. But, yeah. But we really would like you to 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 lead this discussion. All right, well, I guess I'll start off since Melly's been quiet. <laughs> uh, as a black man in America growing up, I've experienced a lot of racial profiling by police, been pulled over 18 times, uh, 18 warnings, um, have had certain instances where, um, like, uh, I forget, uh, in the Central Park, um, 
white women have like gotten extremely tense around me. And I was telling other people, um, I've changed my running habits because of it. I don't run in my neighborhood anymore, which has become gentrified. Um, I don't run at night anymore. I run in the morning at 7 a.m. in the morning when there's no one but runners out. Um, so I don't have to wor worry about any but that or feel threatened. So this weekend, when all of this was happening, and even uh, before this weekend in other cities, I, I was really, I really wanted to march, and uh, and I decided to march, and I was gonna do it on Saturday, but looking at what was going on throughout other cities with the the rioting, which I understand that uh, I don't agree with it, but I definitely understand it. What's going on? I just didn't want to deal with any of that. So I waited till the second day on Sunday to march because I knew all the people from outside of Seattle wouldn't be in Seattle anymore. And that's exactly what you saw. You saw them in Bellevue or in um, Tukwila or up north. But all the people from Seattle were actually marching um, Sunday. And it was a completely peaceful protest with the police. Um, nothing, nothing bad happened. Everyone was marching peacefully. So is this a lot of... Um, of my frustrations, um, a lot of frustrations that other African Americans have experienced, other minorities have experienced at the hands of the social or the criminal justice system, um, just peacefully marching, trying to protest all the injustices that we experience on a daily basis that other people don't experience unless they see it on a camera phone. And even then, sometimes they ask for additional video when really there doesn't need to be any. What about you, Melanie? Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm Asian American and I was born here and I will never, I've never faced what Black people face and what you faced, Fred, and I never will. But I think it's so important for people of color to support other people of color. Uh, Asian Americans have been discriminated in other ways. And yeah, what I saw this weekend was, I mean, what happened in George was awful and heartbreaking and people getting together in support of that is a wonderful thing. And I was actually there Saturday night and Sunday night. And it, it was, you know, there was a vast difference between the two. And so when I came back on Sunday, what I really wanted to do was specifically talk to some police officers to see what their thoughts were, because I know Saturday night ended in you know, property destruction and violence and crazy stuff. So so I tried to do that, that on Sunday night and it was very frustrating to me what actually ended up happening because I came up to several police officers and talked to them and said, what do you, what did you think? How did you feel about what happened to George Floyd? No one responded to me. They just didn't respond. They just looked at me blankly. And, you know, I, I wanted to hear someone say sorry for what had happened and I didn't get that, which I was shocked by because you would think that, you know, I, I hear all the time that people are saying not all cops are bad cops, but you would hope that some cops would come out and support George and, you know, say, say that something wrong happened and I didn't get that. Andrew. Well, I just more want to ask you guys questions. Fred, what um, what runs through your veins when you first 
see something like the George Floyd video if you watch the video? I mean, what does that do to, to you? Yeah, I mean, my veins go ice cold. Um, I think about all the times when, again, I've been stopped by cops and how that could have just changed in an instant. Just, I, it could have been me. It could have been some of my friends. Um, yeah, it's just, it's terror. You know that it can happen to you. You know that there's absolutely, well, traditionally, there's been absolutely no repercussions whatsoever. They go on a paid leave, which is like a vacation, right? Uh, still getting paid, but don't have to work. So the thought of that happening to him and his family, I've thought about stuff like that in my mind. If what would happen to my family, how would they feel if if that happened to me? It's, just, it's heartbreaking it's an, and enraging at the same time. What do you, and, and if this isn't fair, just you can pass on the question. What do you say if, if somebody says, well, if you'd be safe if you just comply? I mean, there's been plenty of videos where people have complied with the cops. They get down with their hands up and they still get shot. Uh, like there's been videos of people trying to help other black men, trying to help other people um, who are like, having medical emergencies and the cops still shoot them. Um, there's been, just look at the, the whole Kaepernick incident. He was being very, he, there's just, it's completely nonviolent. All he was doing is taking a knee. I mean, what more can you ask? And then people just complain about that. It's like, how can you protest? Like what is acceptable to society as a protest for police brutality? Fred, you live in progressive Seattle, and you said that you have been pulled over 18 times and counting. Yes. For what? So it's what, it's not what? all uh, in Seattle. It's been, uh, I've lived up and down the East Coast, um, but just throughout my whole life, just just driving. Um, it's, and I always get warnings. So they pull me over, so, they yeah, get my what, what, registration license, they look at me, they see the way I'm dressed, and they put whatever stereotypes they have of who I am. Um, Cause usually when this is happening, it's during work week and I'm, when I was a banker, I was always clean shaven in college, same thing. So maybe they have a certain image of their mind of who they're after, who they're looking for. And maybe I don't fit that. And so I get a warning, whatever that means. And I go about my day. But I know that depending on the cop, if he's having a bad day, or if he just needs to do something or needs to make some sort of arrest, then I know my day can go south immediately. I've only been pulled over three times and all three times it was because there was a black person in my car. Twice with my wife, once in high school. I don't know if you guys have seen that car that I used to drive where my grandmother backed it into the house across the street and had the back end smashed in. Um, used to drive that thing all over Mercer Island. When at, I was driving it with some friends in the car and um, cop pulled me over. I was going 20 and a 25, it was nighttime in the, the village where there are a bunch of open stores. And uh, he pulled me over and he said that the red tape where the brake lights are supposed to be wasn't dark enough. That's why I was pulled over. He, he claimed there was a regulation about red tape uh, covering your brake lights. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, it's, there's no, there's no question that there's 
um, there's profiling. And, and that's what's so frustrating when people say, um, you know, I, I, I don't see race. I just see the person. I just got to call shenanigans on that. And I wish I could use stronger terms, but this is going on the website somewhere. Um, nobody has that superpower. And I, I don't think ignoring a certain part of people's life experience is a solution anyway. Melanie, what what did you what do you hope for out of the the police response? What do, what would your um, what would you want them to say or do? You know, I don't expect SPD to come out and say something. I, I mean, I don't know, but you know, I, I thought that in hoping to speak with individual officers, they would feel comfortable enough to say something about what they personally believe should or should not have happened. And, you know, I, I prefer to hear from people personally rather than from an, an official response because you don't know who believes what when an official response comes out. So I, I'd love to hear some specific police officers say something about what happened. So the, when I saw, and I wasn't there, but I, I, I spent all weekend watching everything I could find and every single picture I could find. What I saw was police on one side and citizens protesting on another side. Most of the police had very fierce looks on their faces or just stony faced. Many of them had their arms crossed or um, items uh, that could, could potentially inflict force in their hands. And what I didn't see is exactly what you described, Melanie, which I did see it from a couple other cities where there was some interaction uh, between the police and the protesters. And I've also read about um, some of the excuses being that the protests are being largely led without a central leader. And so there's no one really to negotiate with or um, you know, for the police to negotiate with, but I don't see any attempts even b being made. Um, what just because a protest is general, what what prevents a police force from designating um, either liaisons or leaders to broadcast uh, messages from the police on behalf of of uh, the police? There's just no attempt made to bridge that divide of the six foot distance rule of you stay on your side and we'll stay on your and our side. And if we even, you know, sense any movement, we're going to spray or club you. I mean, it's just so it just magnifies to me just watching it. It's so old fashioned and unprogressive. And I don't understand the whole tactic of of how does that make it better? How is that going to ever succeed? To, to now, it really didn't make any sense. I mean, Fred and I were out past curfew. Uh, the mayor had set the curfew at 10 p.m. last night. And I think probably 20 minutes before the curfew, all the police officers just put gas masks on. You know, no warning, no notification, didn't say anything to the crowd. And then at about 10 minutes past curfew, they just started shoving and running people around on the streets with with no, I mean, they didn't tell us anything. 
there was it didn't seem like there was any organization or an attempt to work with the protesters at all. So how much how much do you how much do you and Fred you know fault the police officers versus fault the system um, and same just even of how do you respond to people that say well what happened to George Floyd was because of, of a few bad um, a few bad apples and I don't know if you saw Chris Rock's comment about you know so is it okay for us to say you know you know we have got a few bad apple pilots but you know that's okay. Um, you know, we can have a few bad apples that are pilots. Like it's not okay to have a few bad apples that are carrying guns around and could take your life. So how, how does it, from your perspective, what's the difference between the response of the officers and what should be the, the response of the system that they are working for? So I think the, this is largely the fault of the system there can be much better training involved. Um, you see the military, when they arrest people in war zones, they actually can people put people in handcuffs, they don't beat them to death, and they, they have a code that they follow. And if anything, if they break that code, then they can get kicked out of the military, uh, dishonorable discharge, and their pensions affected. In the US, when the police do that to their own citizens, there's nothing that happens traditionally. And so I think this largely is the fault of the system where better training and better accountability um, needs to happen. Just treat them like you would regular citizens when they do this. I mean, they're, they're not special. I mean, they definitely are in a position of power, but that shouldn't give them any more, um, any more leeway to do any sort of wrongs that they've been doing. Yeah, I agree with Fred. You know, when I was trying to talk to the officers um, and when I was met with nothing, I actually wondered if that was a SPD policy for them to not say anything. And, you know, I, I wonder what the answer is. I, I hope that's not the case. Yeah, it'd be nice to have a dialogue. What, what do you guys, if you have an opinion, what do you think about um, the George Floyd incident in particular, because it, it's it hasn't been that long since uh, Ahmaud Arbery in I think Georgia, and and just countless other cases that have received a lot of um, outrage and attention. Um, what is it about this case that stands out um, that you feel is um, causing people? all over the world to take notice. So I think it's the totality of the situation. The fact that he was in handcuffs, he didn't commit any violent crime if he is accused of um, passing a counterfeit um, currency. And again, that's not a nonviolent crime. So he complied with the officers, he was in handcuffs, and then they put him on the ground um, because they're, they feared him because of who he was. He's a big guy, he's big in stature and they put him on the ground and then they put their neck or they put their knee on his neck and he called out and it was recorded that he couldn't breathe and so we literally watched a man die at the hands of four different officers and so that as well as everything that's been going on um, in the world especially with african americans in america the way they've been treated it's a powder keg and that was just a spark 
that led to all the protests and in some cases rioting. Yeah, I, I mean, the video showed extreme violence and a slow death of a man who was begging for his life. I, I had known, I had heard about what happened and I had the video up on a tab on my screen and I just couldn't watch it for a few days because I knew that it was just going to be awful. And I, I think everyone agrees that it's just a horrific video. I think that there's a slow indifference, if at best, to human life that is, it stands out as apart from the shooting many of the shooting cases for some reason. Um, and maybe it's the person personal nature of physically choking someone. Um, but just the, 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 all the moments of opportunity to not kill a man um, versus shots uh, in an instant is really agonizing. Yeah. Well, to me, in addition to everything that, that has been said, what I can't wrap my mind around is as an officer, as any human being, how could the thought not cross your mind at some point in that nine minutes of you're on top of a guy over $20, uh, a, a guy that has no big rap sheet, I mean, a man that I, I just I don't understand where at some point you don't stand back and say, what are we doing? Not one of those guys check the check the other. I mean, some guy feebly made a couple comments and that was it. I, it is it is it is it is such a glaring example of poor training racial profiling and discriminant treatment and total disregard of pain, suffering and possible possibility of death. It, it is, it's, it's an extraordinary example of that caught on film. It is so outrageous. And I think, I think that is why it is one of, it is so outrageous and it was caught on film. How could they not, how could how could not one of them have checked each other and 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 they were ready to to mace the standers by who were saying get off of him who were trying to check the police but were too scared to really I mean these police are armed. Yeah, I I can't I can't wrap my mind around it, and yet I can, and I think that's what the whole issue is. It's so 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 egregious. And it's happening, and it's happening more than to him. I don't know. There's just so many emotions um, bubbling up this weekend. Um, I know there's tons that we didn't talk about that we're not going to talk about. But, I mean, this is a good start. It's just nice to get this out there and actually have people listen and recognize that this really is an issue affecting all of society. And even the world, there's protests in London and France everywhere. Well, I mean, Fred and Melanie, you're the you're the two newest members of our law firm. How do you feel about your profession? And I mean, why did you even become lawyers? Like, do you feel like you can make a difference? Did you want to make a difference? Do you feel like your job can help you make a difference? 
Oh, Absolutely. yes. I definitely do. <laughs> I definitely, otherwise, I wouldn't have been, been a lawyer. I would have stayed a banker if I didn't think I could make a difference. Um, that's the main reason why I chose to go into the profession of law, is to help the underdog, help individuals. Um, because there's corporations and government have so much power. And most people don't realize just how much power they have unless they're on that side. And there's so many injustices going on in our community, especially the minority community. Um, and even if you're not a minority, just there's so many injustices going on and people need a lot of help. And that's why I became a lawyer. Yeah, I, I became a lawyer for the same reason. I had known that I wanted to become a lawyer at a very young age of how I saw my my parents and people in my community treated. I, I grew up in a majority minority immigrant community in Everett and I saw a lot of people interact with the criminal justice system and were treated unfairly, oh, mainly because they couldn't speak English. And so lots of people just don't have access to justice because they don't they don't understand what the laws are and what to do with it and what their rights are. So I think it's amazing that, you know, our firm fights fights for those people. And really, I think being a lawyer is one of the strongest things you can do to advocate for those people's rights. I think that you said it all perfectly. And we should end right here. Thank you all for um, participating. Thanks for having us.